0: You're listening to Prairie Justice, a Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast. Well, hello everybody and welcome back to Prairie Justice, the Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast, our first show of 2022. This is episode 20. I know which is really odd because episode 21 came out around about New Year's along with episode 19. What does that all mean? It means Gord can't count. But anyway, however your podcatcher or uh, system chooses to arrange this uh, podcast in line up with the last ones, we are going to look at uh, Action Comics 51 from August 1942, cover dated, actually June 1942. And uh, I think we've got a great story. Uh, Greg Sanders goes home, and we actually see... The, uh, the true West, and not the Hollywood West, uh, or the uh, the New York City and the, I wish it was the West, sort of uh, Billy Gunn arrangement. Uh, in the past, uh, Vidge's adventures have taken place in New York City, and since he met Stuff, primarily around Chinatown, uh, but now we get to back, back home to the prairies of Wyoming, and uh, the town where where uh, the vigilante was born. Very little to report in uh, any uh, Greg Saunders news. I don't see any more sightings of uh, anything coming up in D.C. that uh, where the, where our, our vigilante will be. Uh, there apparently has been a vigilante on the new Peacemaker series appearing on HBO Max. And that is likely the, uh, the more modern, assassin, urban, uh, guerrilla sort of a character of Vigilante that was personified in the 1980s by Adrian Chase and a few others since then. So nothing to do with a guy on a cowboy hat on a motorbike. I'd also like to say some news that uh, I, I'd like to actually acknowledge. Peter Watson. Of the Earth 2 podcast, along with his partner Dave Steele, who do a, a great analysis of Silver Age stories that fit within the multiple Earths uh, milieu and other dimensions. And uh, there are a couple of Scots, and uh, I actually understand them quite well, being of Scottish background and a little bit of blood myself but they're they're a great show they they come up with uh, one show very diligently every week and i believe they're up into the to the multiples and i think they're they, they do chronologically so they've selected some stories and i believe they're up around 1968 1969 so they cover the jlajsa stories mind you plus a few other things such as uh, flash stories where the flashes of two worlds meet uh, same with Green Lanterns and Adams, and uh, even the Spectre. So check that out. I mentioned them because Peter did me a solid and I, out of discretion. I'm not going to say exactly what it was, but let's just say it was a favor for this show and it will affect um, some programming a little bit down the road. I haven't quite decided how that's going to work, but... Uh, I definitely now have all of the tools I need to cover the vigilante of the 1940s comprehensively. So with that out of the way, here's a podcast promo for one of our allies. And we'll be right back to, to dive into Action 51. Between the golden age of Atlantis and the rise of recorded history, there were ages undreamed of. Hither came heroes and villains, possessing swords and magic, whose deeds became tales and legends. I have come to relate these sagas.
1: Let me tell you of the Days of High Adventure.
0: Days of High Adventure, a new podcast discussing a variety of comics that fall into the fantasy or sword and sorcery genre. Available on most podcast services and Anchor FM. So let's dive in. Action Comics number 51, cover dated August 1942, on sale June 19th, 1942. So before we talk about the issue, what's happening in the world? Well, if you are at the newsstand, you will see that the Operation Harpoon and the Battle of Pantela area is going on. And that's when uh, Allied convoys are sent to supply Malta in the Oxus-dominated Mediterranean. So that's a happening thing. And, of course, the uh, North African campaign is still going on as the Germans strike the Libyan coast to try to cut off the British forces in the Gazala Center. Uh, The General Electric Company finished production on the M-1 rocket launcher, also known as the Bazooka. Japanese Prime Minister Hideki Tojo survives the assassination attempt by a Korean nationalist. Uh, The Axis forces gained the control of the road to Bardia and isolating Tobruk. Winston Churchill is back in Washington to meet with President Roosevelt at the Second Washington Conference. General Eisenhower assumes command in London of the uh, American forces, then known as European Theater of USA, which will later become Supreme Headquarters Allied Expeditionary Forces. The Japanese submarine Yamakatsu is torpedoed in Japanese waters by the American submarine USS Nautilus. So that's a very early victory for the U.S. Navy Submarine Service. And I don't usually deal with berths in this this column, but uh, we have some notable ones uh, this week. Namely, uh, Roger Ebert of uh, Siskel and Ebert fame, the future film critic, And in Liverpool, England, we have the birth of Paul McCartney. So imagine that. Paul McCartney and Roger Ebert, born on the same day. I wonder if they... Oh, and here's a good one. The day after Action Comics uh, 51 debuts, June 20th, Detective Comics 66 will debut. And that will give us the very first appearance of the villain Two-Face then known as Harvey Kent. I said Kent. Later on, we will get Harvey Dent. And I'm just going to jump ahead a little bit of uh, something that's in my kind of a personal interest. Fort Stevens, Oregon, near Astoria, is bombarded by an Imperial Japanese submarine. So if you thought that the American coast was never touched, well, uh, I could do an entire podcast on that. At least not now. That would be a whole different project. So returning to Action Comics 51, the cover is very interesting. We again have a Fred Ray cover. Fred Ray being one of uh, National Comics' workmen uh, cover artists for the time. He does a very good Golden Age Superman. Uh, With the squinty eyes and the whole works. And on this cover, Superman is smashing through a brick wall, like you do. And he is being assaulted by a man with a gun, but the gun has water coming out of it. And when we see who the assailant is, he is nothing other than Oswald Loomis. Yes, folks, this is the the very first appearance of the prankster. So imagine that, Prankster and Two-Face all in the same week. I wonder if they've ever met. So that does tell you that we are going to get the case of the Crimeless Crimes uh, as the Prankster's um, initial encounter with Superman. And uh, it's very funny. In the 1970s, the Prankster had a very subdued appearance, if very allowed suit. When John Byrne... Um, took over the comic in uh, around 1986 he brought the prankster back into his own uh, continuity or the current continuity of the day and he returned the prankster to this very bizarre appearance of a very thin head a rubbery neck and an extremely rotund exterior so uh you've Kind of looks like a combination of an older Jimmy Olsen along with uh, along with his taste in clothes, along with the Penguin's physique. You veteran Superman fans, you know what I'm talking about. Moving on to the rest of the comic, a feature I really like, Captain Arthur Wearmouth uh, is one of the supermen of the U.S. Army. And Clark Kent tals, tells us all about his... Uh, experience of as a american soldier who machine gunned 116 japanese soldiers in the uh during the initial parts of the invasion of uh, the philippines by the imperial japanese army a very propagandic sort of a piece but the art is great and this is printed in cooperation with the u.s war department uh, we've got ads for Kool-Aid bubblegum. Wow, I had no idea. And uh, Don and Nancy is entertaining their friends with Kool-Aid bubblegum. Uh, second feature is the Vigilante uh, article that we will see. be talking about here in a moment. Uh, we have more humor strips, uh, Silly Willy and uh, the three aces here are in the valley of the of the vultures deep in the desolation of the southwest deadlands well we call them badlands but apparently they have found some spies and some japanese soldiers invading the southwest of the united states Uh, mr america and fat man well they are up against the blackmailer and no, I don't believe that's the U.S. Tax Department, the IRS. Mm-hmm. Um, next we have more text pieces. I won't do too much about them. Um, Rolling Stone and a terrible ad for World's Finest. Uh, I won't describe it. And uh, Congo Bill, he's also in the war. And Congo Bill seems to uh, have found himself a squadron of U.S. pilots uh, to have an adventure with. And it's, of course, the famous Flying Tigers, uh, the American volunteer group who fought in China um, several years before the declaration of war with Japan and, of course, became a very part of... uh, Liberating China, if you could say China has ever been liberated. Uh, Another great ad for the six quarterlies that we have in DC's publication uh, schedule right now. Green Lantern, All Flash Quarterly, All Star Comics, Leading Comics, which is uh, that story we'll be covering in the next few few episodes of uh, Prairie Justice. I hope you're looking forward to it I'm not looking forward to doing all those voices and uh, of course the Batman title and Mutt and Jeff because uh, Mutt and Jeff is also a household word these days right Jerry the jitterbug and finally Zaterra the master magician and he is going to help solve the case of the coconut crimes I think some point somebody should try a Zatera Zatanna podcast. It's not me. Not for me. I'm not really a magic kind of a guy. But uh, that would be an interesting uh, podcast. So just putting that suggestion out there to anybody that's looking for a subject that they'd want to cover. You'd have a lot of material and a lot of ground. And on the back page we have the Tootsie Roll of Honor Eddie L, Virginia D, and Tommy R. And Uncle Sam wants to tell you that make sure what you eat is nourishing, pure, and full of energy. And apparently at one cent and five cents, um, your nutritious snack is a Tootsie Roll. Interesting. Oh, and I forgot the inside cover. A special message to the Boys of America from Henry Morgenthau, Jr., Secretary of the Treasury because there's nothing that a 10-year-old kid in 1942 wants to see more than a letter in his comic from the Henry Morgenthau, Jr. Boys and girls of America, here's a way for every one of you to help your country. Every time you buy a savings stamp, you are helping Uncle Sam to pay for a part of a gun planer ship which your father's brothers or uncles are using for the defense of our country. If every one of you 40 million boys and girls would buy at least one $0.10 saving stamps every week, you would be lending your Uncle Sam $200 million every year. Think of all the guns, planes, and ships he could buy with that. I don't think we could buy one ship or plane these days for that kind of money. So now that you know what comic art you're reading... Uh, Let's wind up our drama of episode 20, Action 51, Guns, Gold and Glory. And on this day as I record this, January 29th, a convoy of anti-vaxxers has invaded uh, the city of Ottawa. So I'm going to let you listen to this while I sit back and uh, wonder whether my uh, nation's capital is burning or not uh, at the hands of very stupid people. We'll see you at the end. The Vigilante by Mort Morton and Cliff Young. Back to the land of the purple sage goes Greg Sanders to the tiny town of his birth, where the spirit of frontier days still lives in the memory of whiskered oldsters. It's a publicity man's dream in the beginning But when the lure of gold brings down machine-gun bandits from the underworld of the East, it becomes a nightmare for terror until the valiant vigilante, whose western wits and weapons have long been the nemesis of big-city gunmen, corrals a cargo of crooks in Guns Gold and Glory. brainstorms, radio press agent suffers a stroke of genius. Where's Sanders? I've got the stunt of a century. And Greg Sanders, the prairie troubadour, gets some news about the sagebrush country. Extra, Avalanche Junction strikes it rich. Avalanche Junction is your hometown, isn't it, Greg? Well, string me up if my old pals haven't done it everyone's reading about the gold strike you go back for a visit and we stage a show that'll hit every front page in the country publicity for me so that's the angle stop the chinatown kids sense adventure be a pal troubadour both you and the vigilante have been promising to take me west and i ain't got past hoboken yet all right partner It'll be sort of nice seeing the old-timers again. Two days later. It's a jip. We ain't even been in a train robbery. We haven't even reached the wide-open spaces yet, Stuff. But we're getting plenty of wide-open spaces in the newspapers. Of course, the West isn't as wild as it used to be. This is a fine time to be telling me how do you spell super colossal gosh if I had known the bad man had gone soft out west I'd have stayed in the big city and helped the vigilante round up gangsters keep your shirt on stuff the big city hasn't a monopoly on crime Something tells us you and the vigilante will be riding herd on trouble long before this yarn is finished. Not far from Avalanche Junction, titled Travelers Relax at the Lazy You Dude Ranch. I'm getting restless, Baron. How long is the king gonna keep us hiding out here in the sticks? Search me, Duke. But it won't be so bad if we can grab some of that gold they're digging in town. Oh, we better lay off these tough western babies. Eh ah, shut up, Goofy. That king and the duke and me are the brains of this mob. Yeah, we just got you along to lug the baggage. Maybe I ain't smart, but I'm careful. Hey, huh, King, we was just talking about that gold over in Avalanche Junction. While you mugs talk. I, the King, been doing some heavy thinking. Look at this newspaper. Extra! Avalanche Junction Bugle. Wild West welcomes Warbling Wadi. Prairie Troubadour home on the range. Greg Saunders' radio favorite returns to Native Town. In other news, Sheriff hides gold for safekeeping. $500,000 shipment awaits transport to U.S. Mint. The Hicks will be welcoming this Saunders guy. They'll forget all about the gold. We can take over the town easy. All day's got his old-fashioned six-shooters. Our dummy guns will scare em out of their shaps. Say, this is gonna be fun. I still don't like it. Cut it out, Goofy. You ain't got brains enough to worry. What's in, this fiddle case will furnish music for the troubadour. I ain't worried about the singer. But if those other guys are as tough as the vigilante back east. Meanwhile, Western hospitality bubbles up and overflows as the California Flyer makes a special stop at Avalanche Junction. Thanks, friends and neighbors. Hey there, Sam, you old pull cat. Suffering snakes, and he said the West wasn't wild. I should get a raise for thinking of this. It's Greg! He's here! Come on! Next to the vigilante, the Blueberry Troubadour is the greatest guy in the world. And look, there's the Chinatown kid. He's a pal of the vigilante. I think I'm going to like it here. Mr. Mayor, fellow citizen, worlds fail me. But I got some words left, chums and i want to say i ain't had so much excitement since the big chinatown fire eventually the distinguished visitor gets a chance to renew acquaintances sheriff parker this is stuff put it there sheriff maybe you've heard of my lawman pal the vigilante sure have we're just about as proud of him as we are of old greg here these young fellas were members of the famous vigilantes 40 years ago stuff, meet Tornado Tumpkins, Hug Lake Hotchkiss, and Wildcat Willis. Golly, I wish I'd been around in those days. Them's was the good old days, son. Bullets for breakfast for seven days a week. Crowds always bring these old medicine men to town. Old Ducks Never Die Swamp Root Tonic. Take a swig every morning, folks, and you'll be as spry as me when you get to be a hundred. He don't look so spry. Suddenly... Get the sheriff! There's Batman on the loose! Help! Raiders! Give us that half million bucks worth of gold or we'll shoot up the town. Grab him. Surrender in the name of the law. Them cowboy guns ain't no good against city choppers.
1: Oh, they got
0: me. Ah, just creased him. He's still alive. Head for the jail. He's probably got the gold locked up in there. Oh, it's bad luck breaking into jail. At the other end of town, Greg Sanders recognizes the chatter of machine guns. Machine guns? Somebody must be after that gold. Was it you that told me all the bad men had reformed? Oh, Greg, there's four crooks with machine guns. They're kidnapping the sheriff. Where's Sanders? I got another million-dollar idea. All he's got to do is capture the crooks and... Come on, Greg. Let's go after him. What? Why? Why, he sneaked away. Greg! Inside the jail, the city gunman threatened the dazed sheriff. Get this copper. If you want to keep living, you better hand over that gold. Oh, my head. Something tells me we were better off at that dude wrench. Ah, shut up, Goofy. You varmints. Folks of this town worked hard for that gold, and you ain't stealing it. Unseen by the townsman, a purposeful figure mounts a roof opposite the jail. The vigilante. Here's where a hometown boy really makes good, or else. The next instant, the splintering of wood is the criminal's first warning of trouble. Okay, Sheriff. It's for- Hey, what's this? Well, if it isn't the royal family of the underworld. Sure, it's just James, it's the vigilante. Hey, how'd the vigilante know we were out here? Stop trying to figure it out and let him have it. You'd better look it up there in the rogues gallery. I'd better take these from you. He's got a gun better run for it as Duke and Baron start to beat a hasty retreat suddenly if it isn't stuff fancy seeing you here oh. shot as a feather pillow chum I was afraid of something like this what did you do follow these baboons all the way from the big town looks like it doesn't it swept as a rattler and with less warning, the king strikes. This'll settle your hash. Make it one at a time and I'll show you tricks. No wonder my stomach's sore. His head's like a rock. Seizing the unhappy sheriff, the crooks head for their car. Stay here, me, kid, or I'll blow your ears off. I'm staying, your majesty, but not for long. Let's head it for the hills and work on this copper in peace. You won't be any more use than the troubadour unless you wake up. Them guys snatched the sheriff again. They were heading for the hills, and I saw a motorcycle in the garage down the street. Stuff, I don't know what I'd do without you. A moment later, how do you like that? First he can't get along without me, then he leaves me flat. While in the gangster's car... He's after us. We ain't got a chance. You never said a truer word, son. Swing in the devil's canyon. I know how to fix that bird. They think they can lose me in those canyons where I grew up. They've got another guest coming. But the treacherous cunning of the king and his cohorts catches the vigilante off guard. The vigilani doesn't know it, but he's riding for a fall. Rope and no time to stop. This is one time I could use the parachute. (laughs) Don't take any chances with him. Tie him up before he gets over the shock. Not telling me. Baron, do you think this sheriff might talk to save this guy's life? It's the best idea I've heard yet. He won't if I have anything to say about it. The sheriff, however, values the vigilante's life beyond gold. Don't kill him, I locked up the gold in a cell at the jail. Now all we got to do is shoot our way through that town again. But first, we got to rub out these guys so they can't make no more trouble. Yep, we'll string up. Nah, let's shoot up. To save argument, we'll hoist up and use for targets. That'll satisfy both of you. I should have known better than to trust you. They've sure got us out on a limb. Pistols at sixty paces ought to make it interesting. I sure hate dying this way, but I won't be missed near as much as you, Vigilante. While there's life, there's hope, partner. That abandoned bird's nest out on the ledge below. I wonder. The western warriors steal spurs, scrape against the rocks. Sparks shower the tinder-dry nest and it flares into flames. The vidge picks up the flaming nest on a spur. At that moment, the gangsters open fire on their supposedly helpless victims. Man, dog on it. i watch me and learn how. Back in town, the Chinatown kid has been busy. You guys used to be the vigilantes. Why don't you do something? But you came 30 years too late. Yeah, old Rumite's done got us all. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd been taking root Tonic, you'd have massacred impendants. It makes old minions. What more could I ask? No kidding, Doc. Does it really make old guys young? Oh, look at me, son. Spray a colt at a hundred and eight. A miracle takes place. The Doc guarantees it. Yippee! I feel like a two-year-old. Tastes like there's cholin' tobacco in it. I'll have to get some of that stuff for the Prairie Troubadour. Yeah! Let's do take them small-time bad man boys. We'll take the dog's wagon. We're borrowing your buggy, dog. Hey, my whiskers. Uh-oh, he's a phony medicine man. But what the old-timers don't know won't hurt him. Without trouble, here we come. It just goes to show what a little kid in yourself will do. Most fun I've had since the engines reformed. A tiny flame races roaring death as the two lawmen dangle at opposite ends of the rope. They've done all their shooting in cities, where everything's at close range. That's why they're missing. Ouch, what do you mean missing? One of them plugs just scraped my shoulder. And the flame wins, not an instant too soon. Oof, You wait plenty, Vinge. Sorry to lend on you. But I didn't have any choice. Realizing what has happened, the killers charge. They're untying each other. We gotta hurry. And what we need is the machine guns from the car. If they hadn't snatched our guns, I would have shown them some real shooting. If we snatch their guns, we'll be even. That vigilante's rope snakes out. I'll show him a... Huh? Trick us again! There go our gets. The Baron is getting the tommy guns. Wah, somebody kicked me! Hey, fellas, let's get out of here while we're still able. If we'd only been a little quicker... We'll get them. The whole West ain't big enough to hide him now that I got you on my side. But, once again, an unpleasant surprise awaits the big city gunmen. Imagine bumping into you guys here. Before they can unscramble their wits. You should have put up your dukes, duke. Here's where the king gets crowned. The whiskered old timers take a captive. Surrender, I'll tear you limb from limb. Ain't no city slicker can get the better of me. Please guys, cut the comedy and take me to jail. So you thought city methods could work out here. You ought to be lynched. Reckon they'll just have to put you in prison for life. As the party returns to the jail. Time for the vigilante to disappear and for the prairie troubadour to come out of hiding. Well boys, you're gonna get your wish at last. I'm putting you in the cell with all the gold. There's the gold, hammered into bars. Too thick to bend or break and painted black hidden like this all the time. <laughs> On the other side of the golden bars. Well, here you are, Greg. I wanted you to catch those crooks for publicity, but the vigilante beat you to it. The vigilante is my pal. Who am I to steal his glory? Later, as the visitors depart. Try some of this swamp root tonic, Greg. It may make you as tough as the vigilante. No thanks, Stuff. What if it spoiled my voice? Shall Stuff, share our secret that Greg Sanders is really the vigilante. What do you say, fellows? And now it's time for Greg Saunders' Rodeo Radio. This time I thought, in honor of Greg's return to his his home state, that we would pick a, uh, that we would choose a song and an artist that is appropriately from Wyoming. So we're going to hear My Sweet Wyoming Home by Chris Ledoux. Now Chris Ledoux it's interesting. It's too bad that uh, we didn't get the bug for doing superhero television series and movies back in the, oh 1980s or 90s because chris Ledoux could have played greg saunders the vigilante and there would be no need for either a stuntman or a lip-synker because he is a, a an established musician and he was also a career rodeo rider so i think uh Taking a few uh, fake punches and riding around on a motorbike wouldn't have been a difficult thing for Chris Ledoux. Acting, maybe not so much, but he had a a long career as a uh, country music singer-songwriter, bronze sculptor, and a Hall of Fame rodeo champion. In his career, he recorded 36 albums, many of them self-released. That means he uh, did that on his own hook. With his own money and that's a huge gamble and it was it obviously paid off because his uh, albums uh, sold more than 6 million units and are still selling as of course as Wikipedia says here in 2020 20, 2007 I have no way of uh, confirming or denying that I'm sure there is not a Chris Ledoux uh, disinformation campaign Uh, He was nominated for a Grammy Award and uh, received an Academy of Country Music uh, Pioneer Award and is the only person to participate in the rodeo uh, and also perform as a musician at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Now, he's not a born Wyoming uh, resident, but he was actually born in Biloxi, Mississippi in 1948 of French descent, as you may have gathered from his name. That will probably make him a Cajun, and uh, that would probably make his uh, his ancestry partially uh, Acadian uh, from the eastern part of Canada. But uh, the family moved often because uh, his father was an airman in the uh, USAF, and he learned to ride horses on his grandparents' farm in Wyoming and they eventually the family moved to Cheyenne and at age 13 Chris participated in his first rodeo and was winning junior rodeo competitions before long attended Cheyenne Central High School twice winning the Wyoming State Rodeo Championship bareback riding title not one of these idiot bull riders he was a he did horse breaking, which is a whole nother thing uh earned a rodeo scholarship to casper college and also eastern new mexico university and during those years he won the intercollegiate national bareback riding championship uh, married to peggy rhodes on january 4th 1972 and they had five children in 1970 uh chris became a, uh, onto the professional circuit and to pay his expenses while traveling, he took his guitar and began composing songs about that traveling rodeo lifestyle. Within two years, he'd written enough songs to make up an album and established to record his own recording company. And was selling tapes basically out of the back of his pickup trucks at rodeo events. And that's the way you do it, folks. If you if you can't get a label, you you self publish. Uh, 1976, he won the World Championship at the National Finals Rodeo in Oklahoma City. Shout out to Clint Robinson there. And uh, continued to compete in professional rodeo circuit until he retired from that career in 1980. Uh, it's not a young man's sport, folks. And he uh, settled on a ranch at Casey, Wyoming. He turned to sketch artist and bronze sculpting. And he collaborated... Um, also with uh, garth brooks during garth's heyday country music and collaborated on the song what you gonna do with a cowboy unfortunately chris's health caught up to him in august 2000 when he was diagnosed with primary sclerosing cholangitis and that caused him to have to have a liver transplant um november 2004 he was diagnosed with Colin carcinoma and an underwent radiation treatment till his death, and he died of cancer on March 9, 2005, far too young at age 56. Now his songs continue to sell to a certain uh, subset of the country music genre called Americana, and he is well. Reg- his name and uh, head music are still well regarded. Not the kind of character that. Uh, that blew up arenas or anything like that. But he's just a careful, solid uh, musician with a solid track record and and an excellent work ethic in the business. So, here is Chris Ledoux with his tribute to his sweet Wyoming home.
1: There's a silence on the prairie That a man can't help but feel Shadows growing longer now, nipping at my heels. I know that soon that old four lane that runs beneath my wheels will take me home to my sweet Wyoming home. I headed down the road last summer with a few good friends of mine. They all hit the money, Lord, I didn't make a dime. Entry fees, they took my dough. The traveling took my time, and I'm headed home to my sweet Wyoming home. Watch the moon smiling in the sky on a tune, a prairie. But your money's riding on the bull and he don't give a damn well there's shows in all the cities the cities turn your heart to clay it takes all the man can muster just to try and get away the songs I'm used to hearing ain't the kind the jukebox play and I'm headed home to my sweet Wyoming home I've always loved the riding There ain't nothing quite the same Another year might bring the luck The winning of the game But there's a magpie on a fence rail He's calling out my name And he calls me home To my sweet Wyoming home Watch the moon Smiling in the sky On the tune, A prairie A prairie
0: justice, a Greg Sanders vigilante podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just love saying that. Well, here we are at our splash page with the great Mort Meskin, and we have our byline and a balloon in the corner. Mort, Morton, and Cliff. Here we are again with the uh, situation that I honestly don't know who's writing the script here. There is no record. Could be Meskin, could be Weisinger, could be a combination, but they are definitely being inked by Cliff Young. And just an editorial comment overall on the artwork in the story. It's a little bit down from last week. And um, I don't know quite what to say about that. Uh, maybe it just really looks hurriedly, looks rushed. And we're back to our sort of nine panel grid standard, although Meskin is taking uh, some bigger panels here and there. I don't think any of these actually are on the nine grid. But uh, it's not awful art, don't get me wrong. It's just uh, seems like a, a little bit more stylized, which is really odd because the uh, splash page here, where Meskin usually puts his good stylizations and his metaphoric-type uh, styles of art, is more practical. Uh, by more practical, I mean we really are kind of seeing the action, although it's a, a scene that doesn't really appear in the story. so In actuality, I guess there is a bit of symbolism here. Stuff and Vigilani arrive onto the scene with a number of gangsters who are hiding behind some um, agave cactus, which you may or may not see in Wyoming, I'm not sure. You might. Uh, We get some cactus in Alberta, so you may get that. Uh, With Tommy guns and uh, Stuff and Vig, as I said, are coming upon the scene with a two-horse, sorry, a four-horse stagecoach. And uh, this maybe is why we haven't seen a lot of scenes in the West. Um, The horses aren't bad. I mean, the tack appointments are very, very accurate, but the the drawing of the stagecoach is very bad. It almost looks like he did it with rulers, but on the side of it is a great big sign that says, gold! Well, in some ways, that's kind of the theme of this story, because this is what's attracting uh, Vigilante to return back to his hometown. And uh, as we will read in time, or as we have learned in the drama, it's also what attracted crime, because uh, let's face it, uh, you have gold, people want it. And um, they'll, they'll get it, whether they work honestly for it or not. Uh, In behind uh, the stagecoach, in behind a lot of dust and smoke, whatever that is, we have sort of a flat-top Mesa mountain uh, arrangement kind of a thing. And you do see those from time to time in the West. In fact, it reminds me of a lot, since we're in Wyoming, of a site that I did see there once, uh, Devil's Tower, which is Devil's Tower National Monument which is in the northeast of Wyoming, sort of up against the corner beside South Dakota and Montana. And you would see Devil's Tower if you were to ever drive from, say, Rapid City over to Billings through Wyoming, through Gillette and Sheridan, and I have made that trip once or twice. Now I was going to save this for a little down the road, but now that I've brought it up, I might as well just kind of carry on. I don't know if any of you, I'm sure many of you, have listened to the many podcast uh, shows of uh, one J. David Reeder, uh, one of the most professional podcasters that I know. He's just got a great voice and a good way of doing things. Um, He's had several podcasts over the years, but the one that always sticks out to my mind of my favorites is the uh, Dave's Daredevil podcast. And uh, when Dave is talking about his adventures of Daredevil, he's usually discussing the New York area and primarily uh, Matt Murdock's home area of Hell's Kitchen. And and Dave is uh, a bit of a map nerd, and as so am I, Uh, so it's not a bad thing unless it's, I wasn't a Mattan nerd, then it wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> but, uh, besides, sorry Dave, aside from that little bit of uh, uh, collegial cruelty, Dave likes to, you know, tr- try to figure out where he is in the story, in real life. And I'd like to attempt that right now. I've never done it with the New York City, because uh, Adventures of Vigilante, because I don't know New York City, I really don't. Never been there, I hope to someday. But I have been to Wyoming, and I have, of course, I'm a Westerner, so I don't actually live too far away from the state. Um, There's only Montana separating myself from the the cowboy state. So I have mentioned that uh, the Devil's Tower that is shown in uh, in the Vigilante splash page, but that's gonna be a little bit of a problem But it might not be, and I think uh, perhaps uh, what you should probably say is Vigilante's hometown is the entire state of Wyoming itself, and no doubt that Meskin was uh, using Devil's Tower as a a reference to show where we were. Now he calls uh, the name of the town, um, we are finally identified as coming from Avalanche Junction, Wyoming. Which was never said in the in the original origin in uh, Action 42, where Vigilante first appeared. So now that we have a name, okay, where is Avalanche Junction? Does it have to have a place? You know, in a world where we have a metropolis and a Gotham City, and an Opal City, do we really have to care where Avalanche Junction, Wyoming, is? This is my podcast. Of course we do. So. Um, Google sometimes is your friend in this. It was not, so I went to the next best thing with Google Earth, which I have played with a lot in my historical career and making maps and such. Now, when I punch in Avalanche Junction, Wyoming, the little red arrow gives me Avalanche Peak. Avalanche Peak is nowhere near the Devil's Tower National Monument that I referenced earlier. Avalanche Peak is actually right on Yellowstone Lake, and yes, it's in Yellowstone National Park, right up against the corner next to the the, uh, Montana border. And Utah, and Idaho, pardon me. Not far from Utah. So Avalanche Peak, could that be possibly uh, a substitute for Avalanche Junction? Well, as I said, it's a long ways away from Devil's Tower. So I guess this is more of a symbolic hometown. But we have one more hint. Okay, we head over to uh, page four of the story. Spoilers for an a 80-year-old story. But the train is coming into Avalanche Junction, carrying vigilante stuff and uh, a gentleman we'll talk about in a minute. And it talks about the the train is the California Flyer. Now, isn't that a great name? Makes it sound like that is an actual real express that probably travels across the country through Wyoming and on to California. But if we were crossing northern Wyoming, that wouldn't work because that train would actually put you in Portland, Oregon and not at San Francisco or definitely not Los Angeles. You'd have to go onto the Union Pacific in the southern part of Wyoming to ever get onto a passenger train, at least in the 1940s. You won't find that passenger train at all. Now, uh, there is no Amtrak line currently that actually travels through Wyoming. You actually actually go further south into Colorado, or way to the north to the High Line of the Montana border on the Empire Builder that I usually travel on when I travel across the United States. Now, on a date that is in this story's future, a train called the California Zephyr will emerge that runs from Chicago uh, through Omaha, Denver, Salt Lake City, Reno, Sacramento, and ends at Emeryville, California, or at, at San Francisco, California, pardon me. And uh, that, however, does not run through Wyoming as I said, through Colorado, Salt Lake City, so to the south of the Wyoming line. But that's train, uh, that passenger train did not emerge until 1949. So no sense of even going any further. We're on a construct here. So let's just say that Avalanche Junction is out west, as they like to say in uh, people that don't understand the geography of the west. And uh, I've done my best to try to find it. So, in your mind, it could either be at Devil's Tower in northeast Wyoming, uh, up against the Black Hills, or it could be in Avalanche Peak in Yellowstone Park, or it could be somewhere to the south, perhaps where the Union Pacific goes through. Pick your choice. I'm not going to emerge into preference, and I'm going to close Google Earth and move on with our story. Kudos again to Dave's Daredevil podcast. I stole from you, Dave, but I only steal from the best. Done with our cold open, let's merge to page two, where we start in New York City in the publicity office of a radio press agent um, that is responsible for uh, publicizing the work of the Prairie Troubadour, Greg Saunders and that is one man by the name of, wait for it folks, Brain Storms. Okay, not the best written name. Okay, there was not many brainstorms made in coming up with a name for this guy. Uh, He's never appeared earlier, although he seems to probably be important to Greg Saunders in promoting the career. I'm not certain if we're going to see him again in the future, and if we do, I hope somebody gives him a different name. Uh, He's sort of a, when you kind of look at him, uh, in predicting the future, Meskin has sort of made him a kind of a cross between Mr. Haney from Green Acres and Colonel Tom Parker, the somewhat duplicitous uh, agent of one Elvis Presley. I do hope Brainstorms does a much better job for Greg than he did, than uh, Colonel Tom did for Elvis. Well, Brain uh, sees a newspaper and finds out that uh, there has been a gold strike in uh, Avalanche City, Wyoming, which he recalls is the hometown of Greg Saunders, and that's first establishment, that that is where he's from. So now we have a name and a birthplace for our, for the Prairie Troubadour. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is kind of uh, late to have a gold strike, you know, in the Old West. You know, we're here in World War II in the 1940s, and we're talking gold strikes. Well, let's face it. Uh, a country at war is going to need sources of uh, of revenue, and uh, a gold strike is probably good something to to come along. And, and uh, you know, gold mining is something that still goes on in the world. It's not something that... Uh, needs to belong into a time and place. It uh, happens uh, mostly in, in these days in very northern Canada such as the Northwest Territories. The Yellowknife area, all those, those mines are kind of petering out and often in Central and South America. And I'm just shooting off the hip here, possibly in uh, Africa as well. So gold uh, extraction is still a thing. I know in my area, in southern Alberta, there was a rumored gold rush uh, during the Great Depression, so not far out of our timeline. Uh, That was known as the Lost Lemon Mine, and fortunately no gold was ever found. In Alberta, all our gold proved to be black and several thousand feet into the ground. So Stuff is in the office as well, and he wants to go west in the worst way, as he says, I've never been in um, got past Hoboken yet, I believe that is Hoboken, New Jersey, best known as the birthplace of 1 Frank Sinatra. This is a good place to talk about Stuff's attire, uh, we plan to make this a, uh, a regular column of what is Stuff wearing this week, because he never ever seems Hi everybody, this is Ranger Gord from two days in the future from when I did this original track of Narrative. Uh, commentary on the issue, and it appears that you might be confused, as uh, the sharp-eared Dave McIlvaney was, when he realized that I didn't finish talking about what stuff was wearing, and he uh, kindly uh, gave me a heads up, and I went back in, and I found out that I was losing probably a good page and a half of the commentary. Somewhere along the way, I hit a button wrong and zigged when I should have zagged, and uh, we lost that, and I don't know where it happened, but uh, I'm just going to do this over again, as best as my memory. Anyway, we were talking about what Stuff's wearing this week, and he's wearing a sort of a sports uh, t-shirt style of a sweater, It's uh, I say sweater because it's got a sweater collar, and it's red in color, and it's got a broad black stripe going around it, along with sort of a varsity style S on there, obviously for stuff. And he's wearing green walking shorts and sneakers. And apparently, he's wearing that all the way from New York to Wyoming. But we don't worry about what people are, how long people wear things in comics, do we? So, uh, as we started, uh, Stuff was uh, begging Greg Sanders to take him west, and they did get on a train, uh, along with Brainstorms, who was doing the publicity. Uh, the train, I believe, I, I thought this was might have been in the track somewhere, it's a steam train, which is not unheard of in the 1940s. The diesel conversions didn't happen. Until roughly started in 1947, and then it sort of uh, roughly took the steam things out gradually on a nutrition basis through the 1950s uh, into uh, diesel locomotives. And likely this steam locomotive is running on kerosene or coal oil rather than actual coal. Uh, let's see. Um, and then we had a page here at the Lazy you dud dud Ranch. The Lazy you dude Ranch. And there's our kind of four duds kicking around. And this is our villains for the piece. The King, the Baron, the Duke, and Goofy. And the King is sort of a John Huston-looking character with uh, an imperial Van Dyke style of beard. Uh, I think he likes to pretend he's the King, but he doesn't have very good King's English. And uh, Duke and Baron are just sort of uh, 1940s film noir uh, stereotypes. Goofy is probably the one that stands out. He just wears a floppy newsboy cap. Uh, the other gangsters kind of hit him up for his uh, lack of brains and his dullardness. But uh, Goofy is the one that doesn't really uh, want to go along with all of these schemes. And that takes us to the uh, page uh, four. And as we see the train pull into Avalanche Junction, and everybody's very, very happy to see uh, the Prairie Troubadour return to his hometown, and they even know who Stuff is. He's the vigilante sidekick. Gosh, I hope nobody puts that together. And of course, brainstorms. Uh, He's pretty happy about this publicity, and he's looking for a raise. And as we get to the point here where I think uh, we sort of lost, uh, Greg Sanders and stuff are meeting the mayor. He's sort of a slim pickens looking dude in a Montana peak hat and a string tie and a very fancy shirt and a handlebar mustache but we don't really get to know the mayor very well. He doesn't even get a speaking line. And then we go straight into Sheriff Barker, and this is where I believe we left off. So if you listen to the earlier version of this that was released on Saturday the 29th, I am going to uh, update this on Monday, January 31st, uh, you may get another version of this into your download. And um, I don't know if the first version will stay there or not. So I'm sorry for all of the confusion, but uh, we did our best to fix it up. Thank you. Hi, Future Gord again. I missed one other detail. We talked about Stuff's attire, and but we forgot to tell you what color of hat that the vigilante was wearing. Because uh, between Martin Gray, and Chris Franklin, and myself, we care about those things. And this time, Greg Sanders, uh, the troubadour, is wearing a Montana Peak chocolate brown hat. But when he switches to the vigilante, he's wearing a tan hat. And I guess that's enough to fool Stuff and all of the townspeople as to his secret identity. Okay, last interruption. Back to the regulars. Commentary. Thanks. The mayor doesn't get a wordy and edgewise when uh, Stuff is just running around pumping hands all over the place. We meet the sheriff. And the sheriff looks like he's got, a, he's had about 25 years into him. Um, he's an older man, but not qu- really old. Uh, I judge him sort of be a Sam Elliott type, and that's the way I voiced him in the, uh, in the drama. And Stuff also meets three men who 40 years ago were the vigilantes of the area. Now, that probably means that uh, these were the posse members who probably saddled up to go after around 1900 people like Butch Cassidy, the Wild Bunch Sundance Kid, um, perhaps as range detectives in the era of Tom Horn, that sort of a thing. And those those, uh, are all indicative of Wyoming itself. These are the sort of people that... uh, Weren't exactly lawmen, but uh, were willing and ready to put their lives on the line when something happened. And the fact that uh, Greg is calling them vigilantes, he says this in quotes, although I think they were probably more likely deputy sheriffs or deputy marshals, whatever the case may be. And then we have a throwback with a horse-drawn wagon and a guy actually selling some kind of medicine, and he's giving speeches, that sort of a thing. He uh, very much looks like an Uncle Sam sort of a character. And uh, as Stuff notes, he's very long in the tooth. Now, would we still have these medicine show people going around from show to show to fair? Well, if you've ever been to uh, a local celebration and they always have a trade show... Well, this is where you always find the natural homeopathic-type people. And today, they're online. Don't buy anything from them, people. Uh, Their stuff is usually just sugar water. And right now, in the middle of this pandemic, they are making out like bandits, and unfortunately, they're part of the misinformation campaign that we're dealing with. If they would just uh, peddle their sugar water and shut up, I wouldn't care. Uh, you know, a money are going to be parted one way or the other, but uh, when they tell people not to take appropriate health measures in an emergency, well, that's where I part company. Loth endeth the lesson. Page five, the king, the baron, the duke, and Goofy all show up in their roadster, and there's no other plan than just drive into the middle of the street uh, banging off their Tommy gun. Well, Sheriff Brady comes out, What's the draw on him, and I have no doubt that uh, Sheriff, well, in his t- day, was probably a bit of a draw, but as the gangster said, he would no, no match for the Tommy gun, and, uh, which is used on them, and in good old Western family st- uh, fu- shootout style, um, all they do is seem to shoot the guns out of Sheriff Brady's hands and graze them on the skull, knock them out. Oh, poor Sheriff Brady. You know, it's not like he would have taken a shot in the guts or anywhere else or through the heart. Nope, nope, nope. They, they, they got him in his, in his pistols and grazed him with a flesh wound. Because that's the way it works in Westerns. Well, um, Brainstorms comes out of the woodwork and is he excited? He's excited because he wants Greg Sanders to go and round this gang up. The Prairie Troubadour. Well, the Prairie Troubadour isn't noted for being a track down person. He goes, but that doesn't stop brainstorms. Maybe he's a little smarter than Stuff, I don't know. Maybe he knows what's going on. Well, Stuff says, well, I'll, I'll go get Greg, and oh no, he snuck away. Where could he have gone? Well, as Sheriff Brady is taken to his own jail, where the king believes that the, uh, the excavated gold in the town is being kept for safekeeping, uh, well, who should show up but a man in jeans, a cavalry shirt, and a bandana around his neck, and a hat? And it's time now for the Martin Gray commemorative contest of What Color is the Vigilante's Hat? Well, this month he's wearing tan, which is really interesting because Greg Sanders' dude hat was he was wearing a deep brown chocolate. So uh, Greg must have a uh, an extra soft soft felt uh, hat that he keeps in with his vigilante duds. Well, uh, he jumps on top of the jail does the old rope trick, crashes into the building through the window. I wonder how much glass Greg gets into his jeans over the time. He goes through a lot of glass. And we have a little punchy-punchy fight-fight, and Greg uh, manages to take the Tommy guns, put them up in the air, and grab them right out of their hands. I don't think this Duke and Baron are very good with guns, quite frankly. I think they're just lucky. And who should show up and uh, take a little and start taking a little beating or out of the uh, the gangsters themselves, mostly by headbutting them, is stuff. And aren't they surprised to see each other? Vigilante, what are you doing here? Well, stuff, what are you doing here? Is there chocolate in my peanut butter? Please, would somebody figure this out soon? This is this is getting annoying. Um, and as they uh, hash that out. The king does the old Wyatt Earp truck of buffaloing the vigilante. That is to take a, uh, a handgun and knock him on the head with the butt of the gun. As I always say, Wyatt Earp probably hit more people with his guns than he ever shot. Uh, the duke, he takes a shot at stuff here. They leave stuff uh, basically in the, they don't tie him up, no death traps or anything like that. These guys are not smart enough, at least not yet. And they uh, grab Brady and they take him out into the Roadster and they're going to head onto the hills and do a little bit of interrogation. Fortunately, Stuff has noticed a motorcycle. And we just know that Vigilante loves those gas eaten bronx. So uh, by himself, leaving Stuff behind, Vig jumps on the bike and chases the, uh, the gangsters in the Roadster into a Box Canyon. Yep, yep, we actually have Box Canyon here. Devil's Canyon, to be sure. Hey, maybe I should stop and look that up on Google Earth. No, that's not. That's not. At any rate, uh, Vidge is confident that he knows the canyon a lot better than he does. But what he hasn't uh, realized is they have a lariat of their own that they have uh, strung up between two trees. So as Vig comes around to Ben in the darkness, he gets clotheslined and pitched right off of the over the handlebars of a motorbike. Folks, I don't know if you've ever been pitched over the handlebars of a motorbike, but I have. Not into a rope, but uh, usually rocks or gopher or badger holes, that sort of a thing. It's not a great feeling. Usually hit your shins on the handlebars first, and then you hit the ground. And uh, dazed and confused, he is uh, bound and captured as it, along with Brady. So we have our first uh, bit of captivity, maybe second if you count the buffaloing back at the jail. Okay, Sheriff Brady is pleading for the vigilante's life. Now Sheriff Brady knows the vigilante's uh, reputation. After all, this is the man who captured his predecessor, Sheriff Tom Sanders. Way back in Action 42. And we have our first death trap. First they argue. Let's let's hang him. Let's shoot him. Uh, The king comes up with a great compromise. Let's hang them, then shoot them. So they they take Sheriff Brady and they uh, tie them by their wrists to a tree and uh, hoist them up into a very high tree limb. They're tied to each other, wrist to wrist, and over top of the tree limb. And the idea here is that we are going to shoot at them with with their pistols from the ground, so they're probably up about a good 20, 30 feet. And uh, what is Vigilani spy? He sees a little bit of tinder-dry bird's nest up on a rock. So what do you think we're going to do, Dave McIlvaney? Of course, they haven't taken his spurs. And we just happen to have a nice bit of flint rock right over top of this nest. So, ching, 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 and we get a little spark into the nest. Not the first time we have done this with the Spurs. In fact, I don't think we've had a uh, Vigilani adventure yet where the Spurs haven't gotten them out of a death trap of the week. And uh, But fortunately, Vig can take his time because the Duke and the Baron are probably the ancestors of the stormtroopers. They can't hit anything with those snub-nosed 38s of theirs. And while that is all going on, playing out, way back in town, Stuff goes back and finds the vigilantes. And I didn't tell you their names, although it is in the story. Their names are... Tornado Tompkins, Hugleg Hutchkiss, and Wildcat Willis. So I think we know what... Uh, what we're in for with these Vigilantes of the older times. Well, maybe that's a, a good prequel that somebody could come up with, somebody in the comic books industry. The Vigilantes of 1900. Well, how do we get these out, out of their, uh, off their rocking chairs? Stuff tries to rouse them. And he goes over to see the old Doc never dies and gets them some tonic. And for whatever reason, uh, our frontier tier cocaine or Viagra or whatever it is that little duck never dies has in this swamp root tonic just seems to revive the three uh, long-haired, whiskered vigilantes to the point where they steal the the medicine man's one-horse cart and they head out into the hills to rescue the vigilante along with stuff. Where's Vig happening with Vigilani? Meanwhile, back at the death trap, atop the limb, um, the Vigilani has got this fire burning on the rope. Now, here's where I have to say, uh, Mort Meskin, we're on page 11, and I think you were smelling 12 because the art's starting to get uh, a little bad here. Um, Not terrible, but he's almost doing thumbnails again. As Sheriff Brady takes another one in the temple, that poor guy, uh, Vidge manages to get the ropes snapped uh, under strain from the fire. And they fall on each other, untie their their wrists. And while the king and his boys are starting to reload and get their poop in a group, The vigilante has got his own lariat, or what's left of the lariat, tied into a Honda, and he manages to snatch the gangster's guns, two at a time. Doing a head and healing kind of a thing, because of course he does, because he's the vigilante and he's the best lariat roper ever. And that's why he's in the All-Star Squadron, folks. But they do manage to get away from the Roadster, taking a little time to get untied. And what do they crash into but the medicine man's one-horse cart with the vigilantes and stuff? Well, between those three uh, older crime fighters, Sheriff Brady, our vigilante and stuff, they easily overpower the the gangsters. And even Goofy is grabbed and uh, he says, please, guys, cut the comedy, take me to jail, get me away from this idiot gang of mobsters that I've joined <laughs> and this is where I kind of seem to like goofy um, he knows this has been bad plans he's tried to protest against it and he just wants away from them and this is where Sheriff Brady as he does take them to jail reveals that well hey guys you're gonna get your 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 wish I do have the gold inside the jail in fact they are the, actually the bars in the jail melted down and painted black. So, uh, Sheriff Brady, uh, hair on you. Uh, you're a pretty wise guy. Brainstorms is back, and so is Greg Saunders. And uh, Brainstorms is so disappointed, he wanted Saunders to catch the, catch the crooks and get for the publicity. And Saunders just goes, well, I'm not gonna take away the vigilante's glory. Meanwhile, Stuff is sipping on some of the Swap tonic. Um, Stuff is a growing boy, so we won't say what's going to happen to him. All he knows is that Greg Saunders isn't going to try it because he's worried about spoiling his voice. Okay, I think uh, whoever wrote this script or put it together has probably decided what I've been complaining about. Because at the very end, we have a stinger that says, shall stuff share our secret that Greg Sanders is really the vigilante? What do you say, fellows? Well, in 1942, I'm not around to send a postcard. Maybe Dave McElveney was. Sorry, Dave. But I know you would have sent a postcard, and I would have sent a postcard, and I probably would have rang the phone off of National Periodical offices and ask to speak to the morts and say for god's sakes let's quit let this uh, kid quit being portrayed as stupid we know he's not so let's let him in on the secret and let's let it get past this and that's kind of where the uh the secret identity trope is is nice and it's very always very dramatic but sometimes uh when you're in episodic situations it just plays out too long And as we have started to notice, uh, in comics and in popular media, the secret identity is starting to go away. Um, There are some points where you're always going to have it. Uh, Shockingly, apparently the world now knows that Clark Kent is Superman. I'm not sure how that's working out in comics. I'm not reading them. But can you imagine a world where everyone knows that the... uh, the manipulative and very dangerous Batman is Bruce Wayne. Um, that mansion would be in ashes tomorrow. And I guess I, we don't, needn't go on with the Peter Parker thing because uh, that was always sometimes a brand new day. And yes, I was making a joke there. Speaking of guns, very interesting that once again we have Tommy guns and Vigilante is walking in here, he's pulling, he's got his six guns. Sheriff Brady has his six guns. Once again, what is the Vigilante using? His lariat, his spurs, and his one right cross. We, it's been a while since we have seen Vigilante pull his six-shooters. Okay, now I'm done. And that's it. That's our action, 51, Guns Golden Glory. Okay, I am going to make a bold attempt to try to give a mention and a shout-out here to all the supporters of Prairie Justice on the Twitter feed, which is at Tolton Gord. Don't ask me why I didn't call it at Prairie Justice. I just do what Twitter tells me to. Uh, Justice City Pro- Presents. Sorry. I just picked an arbitrary point so that I don't uh, have to do about a several hundred uh, Twitter names here. So I'm going to go back to about December 25th, 2021. We have, of course, Martin Gray. We have Rob Stagger. We have DC Multiverse Historian. The All-Star Squadron. uh, That's Billy D and his All-Star Squadron podcast. Max Travers, Max Reads Comics. Uh, The KSC GCF podcast from Kyle Benning. Uh, the Weird Warriors podcast, Dave Steele and the Invention from Dimension X, and that's, of course, the Earth 2 podcast. Uh, Weird Warriors, did I say Weird Warriors? I already said Weird Warriors. Long Box of Darkness, the Checkered Past podcast. I must check into that Checkered Past. Uh, the Weird War pod, um, Right Between the Eyes podcast, Dave's Comics Heroes blog, uh, Coffee and Comics, good old Clinton. Outcasters, B A T O podcast. The Robin Hood Bold Outlaw. That's Alan Wright, my Canadian fellow buddy from Toronto. Stop Let's Team Up, a comic podcast. Lee Cox. The DC Multiverse Historian. Wildcard 99. Shuttle 24. Diablo Frank. Uh, the. Granger Gord, who the heck is that guy? The Curious Curmudgeon, Ryan Daly, Professor Alan Middleton. All of Time and Space podcast, Doctor Who, The Community Snow. That's actually what it says. I don't know if that's a typo. The Who, Corner to Corner podcast, Who Can Convince You? The Sirens of Audio, Trap One, and Enigma. So I am sure I have missed a few on this, so uh, my apologies to anybody I've missed. I I just don't seem to be as good at trying to keep track of Twitter as, uh, as some of you other podcasters are. And now on to our email feedback. And before I start, um, I'd just like to give a shout out to the great Dave McIlvaney, who not only emails a review of each and every Prairie Justice show, he has also called out Prairie Justice as one of his uh, favorite recommended podcasts. And not only a favorite recommended comic book podcast, but uh, his, uh, one of his favorite podcasts in general. And just so that you know, Dave doesn't just do email Uh, I'm just going to reach back here to the back of my desk into my my own personal mailbox here, my real mailbox, and hear this, folks? I'm going to drop it on the desk. That's a pile of postcards that I have received over most of 2021 and into 2022. Dave sends postcards, and he does send Christmas cards in the actual mail that it was intended for. So it's really nice to go to the uh, to the box every now now and then and see that in amongst the flyers and the junk mail and the bills and the second and third notices, just a nice light postcard from Dave McIlvaney. I just want to let you know, Dave, uh, I really appreciate that. So to show you I'm not done uh, waxing Dave's car, I will read his email that is comprehensive of our last uh, two episodes, The Man Who Came Back and Gray and Blue, which I released uh, on the same day, uh, somewhere between the week between Christmas and New Year's, just because I was feeling saucy and wanted to do two episodes. So from Dave McIlvaney, greetings Ranger Gord. Thanks for a holiday treat with two episodes of Prairie Justice each with a title that could refer to two different things. When I saw the title, The Man Who Came Back, at first I thought it was your way of announcing that after a couple of months away from the microphone, you had come back. But then I realized it was the name of the vigilante story in Action Comics 50. The blue and gray could have been some sort of reference to the U.S. Civil War, gray for the Confederacy, blue for the Union, which might have some political significance in the present, but again, it was the title of Vidge's Song. i uh, just going to jump in for a comment on that. At one time, uh, I was a Civil War enthusiast. Uh, right now, I seem to be more into the Second World War. But uh, for some of the, the work I did as a, a Frontier Fort historian, and um, here in southern Alberta, there seemed to have been some... Uh, uh historical characters that did have basis uh back in the civil war so i spent a lot of time watching the ken burns videos and reading the shelby foot books and many other books and uh i still i think i have about four to uh at least four boxes of america's civil war back issues that uh, i really love to get into and i i have no but believe me i have absolutely No preference on one side or the other. I'm certainly not going to be a backer of the aims of the Confederacy, but uh, let's just say that I I believe in what uh, Shelby Foote did say, that the Civil War was a failure to compromise, and that's not to say that you needed to compromise with slavery or secession, but... Sometimes I believe it's better to, as Winston Churchill said, better to jaw, jaw, jaw than war, war, war. And I just don't think there's enough of that in our political discourse these days on either side of the border, Canada or the United States. And that's my marching thing, but it has nothing to do with Dave McIlvaney's letter, which I'm going to return to. <clears throat> and I quote, Dave says, I agree that The Man Who Came Back is a really good story, focusing as it does on the character of Mr. Harms, who has an important moral choice to resolve, with serious consequences for whichever choice he'd make. I think that's kind of what I just said in my diatribe. Obviously, readers don't want too many stories with Vigilante playing essentially a supporting role, but it works very well here. Now, sometimes you do need a story where the the main character um, just kind of walks out and observes something. Uh, Back to Dave, you wondered whether DC explicitly marked anniversary issues prior to Superman 400. um, As our last story appeared in Action Comics 50 and there didn't seem to be any uh, fanfare regarding that. I don't know for certain, but my feeling is that, if they did, it was pretty rare. There was a sort of anniversary issue in Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen seventy, cover dated July, nineteen sixty three, in the story The Secret of the Silver Kryptonite, in which Jimmy and Professor Potter reveal the existence of a previously unknown form of kryptonite, silver kryptonite. At the end of that story it is revealed that it is really no such thing. It was a gift for superman to mark the 25th silver anniversary of his making metropolis in his home of course 1963 was also the 25th anniversary year of superman's comic book existence there was no mention of an anniversary on the cover or anywhere else except at the end of that story so thank you for that dave and uh on behalf of myself, thank you for taking the bullet of having to dive into Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Uh, not saying anything about it, what anybody likes. Uh, what you like in comics is yours, but uh, the Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane and many of the Silver Age Superman stories of that era, which edited, of course, by Vigilante creator Mort Weisinger, that's a whole nother story. Uh... I've read in a lot of them, but uh, I guess as uh, Solzhenitsyn said, you don't have to taste the whole sea to know that it tastes like salt. I think I'm paraphrasing that, that quote. At any rate, uh, back to Dave again. Sorry, Dave. I enjoyed Grey and Blue from The Brave and the Bold, a television series I remember fondly, both from comics and the animated version. Uh, Thanks for the Roy Orbison connection and for the YouTube link. I particularly liked seeing Batman toss a Batarang to the kid as a souvenir at the end. Yeah, I don't think I mentioned that in my commentary. Thank you, Dave. At the time I watched, the video had 2,600 likes and no dislikes, which is extremely unusual in today's social media landscape. And yes, Dave, an unheard of for YouTube, which is just rife with trolls just out there just to just to make asses of themselves. So Thank you, as always, Dave. Now I have to go out and do the daily startups of the vehicles as it was about minus 30 some godless uh, days there around the Christmas time. As our batteries don't hold up in those temperatures if you don't so. It's a hard country Canada is on man, beast, and machinery. So, good news is um, I'm doing this at the end of January, and we have had some warmer temps at least um, uh, in the, through the January than we did around the Christmas and New Year's uh, period of time. Have a great New Year, Dave. And Dave closes with "Stay safe and warm, live long and prosper." Dave McIlvaney. Thank you once again, Dave. And of course, you can send your email missives to VigilanteCast at gmail.com. And if you want to send me real mail, well, give me an email at that mail because I do not put my mailing address out into the blogosphere. But uh, if you're real and you're a fan of this uh, place and you're not spamming, I will certainly share that with you. Just be warned I'm not a good letter writer in return. Um, I have stamps and those are usually required for bills. So it doesn't look like Ottawa is burning. Um, just a lot of uh, very silly people dancing around our, our nation's capital because they were mad because they had to get a shot or wear a mask. At any rate, please out there and i say this unabashedly get your shots wear your masks let's get out of this damn thing nobody wants to be in it not me or the protesters and with that we will see you again for episode 22 (laughs) and that begins a mini series of prairie justice episodes yes once again we are back into the seven soldiers of victory and Vidge's appearances in leading comics, and we will have a surprise mystery guest star voice in those programs. So you get a little bit bit of break from my uh, my half-hearted Jimmy Duhan impressions. We will see you next time, and take care, folks. <laughs>
1: In the corner of a dog ballroom. room Said an old cow boy singing western tune Singing songs that he learned as a child All about the west back when it was wild
0: well, so long partners, you've been listening to Prairie Justice, the Greg Saunders Vigilante Podcast all materials used in Prairie Justice are believed to be of fair use and remain the copyright of all copyright holders. Stories, images, and the character of Greg Saunders, the vigilante, and all other characters used are the property of DC Comics and DC Entertainment. Feedback for Prairie Justice can be left on Facebook under the name Prairie Justice, the Greg Saunders Vigilante Podcast. Email can go to VigilanteCast at gmail.com Website is roundup all one word at .wordpress.com And we sure hope to see you all back again for another ride with the Cowboy Crusader. Vaya con Dios compadres eh? That-
1: Cause he's the land of the singing cowboy